I'm pulling on my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for another drive to work. Okay, so recently, or somewhat recently, I do this ahead, so it's always hard to predict. Uh, I had an article where I announced the end of the three-set block. Uh, and then when I was thinking back, I realized that I actually, since I've been head designer, have oversaw the block plan for ten three-set blocks. And I thought, you know what? I talk about individual sets all the time. I don't talk block plans all that much. So today, and probably next time, uh, will be all about block plans. And I'm going to walk through all the three-set block plans I did as a head designer and talk about sort of how the block plan itself came together. Not the individual sets, but how we formed the block. So we will start with the very first set that I led, very first block that I oversaw as head designer. I happened to also lead the first set. Uh, Ravnica, City of Guilds. Okay, so one of the big innovations when I talk about sort of um, uh, changes that happen over time is when I took over as head designer, I was very big on the idea that we needed to do more planning for our blocks, that there had to be more, you know, we had to be careful how we dole things out. Uh, and before that, we we had a few blocks that kind of backed into a block plan, but the way we used to do it is we'd do the first set, and then we were done, we'd do the second set, and we were done, we'd do the third set. And sometimes we'd leave something, but it wasn't really thought out. You know, we would back ourselves in a corner a lot. We're like, oh, uh-oh, because we did this and this, oh, it would have been nice if we had thought of that ahead of time. Um, so when I became him designer, I said, okay, we're going to think about this. We're going to plan our blocks out. Okay, so Ravnica, the, uh, during design of Ravnica, I stumbled upon the... I walked into it knowing that I wanted to do... It was a multicolor block. We knew that walking in. And I liked the idea to separate it from um, Invasion, which was the previous uh, multicolor block, to, instead of focusing on playing lots of colors, focus on just playing two colors. Because that was the... That was, in order to be multicolor, but be the other, other end of the spectrum, that's where you needed to be. And then Brady Donovanith, who was a creative director at the time, came back with the idea of... I had said I wanted all ten color pairs uh, played equally, and he came back with the idea of the guilds, that we were in a city world, and that each combination was represented by a different group. I loved the idea. The second I heard it, I'm like, that's awesome, and I'm like, okay, that is going to be the backbone of our structure. Um, and so what I decided was, um, there's a bunch of different ways to do a block plan, and so I, was, I wanted to experiment. I wanted to try different ways. So one of the means that I was interested in trying is what I'll call the pie method. And the idea here is, is that the block is one entity, and all you're doing is chopping up the pieces. Like, on some level, I'm not sure Ravnica even necessarily had any chronological movement between sets. I kind of feel like the whole, all three sets took place at the same time, and we just were showing you different portions of it. That we had, we chopped it up like, like a pie. Um, and like, you know, four-tenths of it was here, and three-tenths was here, and three-tenths was here. Um, and so the idea was, what if we used the guilds and said, okay, let's show off the guilds. And the way to do that is, we would emphasize a certain number each time. Now remember at the time, it was, this was considered a, a, a somewhat crazy block plan. In fact, I mean, block plans didn't exist yet. But the idea that we were going to have ten colored pairs, and in the first set, only four of the ten would appear, was considered at the time pretty radical. Um, but, once again, one of the things I was looking at is, how do I make you care about the entire block? Well, if there's a cohesive whole, and I only give you part of that, I only give you four-tenths of it, well, you know what? You want the other six-tenths. You know, if you, if I knew that if I did a set and there were four guilds, well, you know, humans are pattern completions. Like, okay, that's great, that's cool. What about the other six guilds? And they're like, okay, we can dole them out. 
and that'd be something that'd be cool, is that we do something, we give you part of it, and then why would you, why do you want to play the rest of the block? Well, we haven't given you all of it. Um, and so that was the idea of this block plan, was the idea that we divvy things up. You know, that we, we, we take it, and then the reason you want to go to the next part is because, oh, well, we, we haven't given you everything yet. That we, we, we split it up on purpose. Um, and really, one of the things that I wanted was, once I knew I wanted to do guilds, once I wanted to build around guilds, what that meant was I wanted to figure out things that all the guilds got, and then you had a, like, there was a lot of parallel design in the guilds, so that, like, every guild got thing A and thing B and thing C and thing D, which meant that if I showed you some of the guilds in the first set, you had some expectation for things to see in the second and third set. Um, so, but there also was some surprise. It was like, oh, okay, well, each guild had its own mechanic. Um, I figured out early on that I needed to, in order to give uh, faction separation and identity, you kind of need to give each one a mechanic. We've experimented with not doing that. Uh, I mean, obviously, Ravnica was the first time we were doing it. It was, just, it was the clear and lowest hanging fruit. So we did the lowest hanging fruit. We've since gone back and looked, and I get to Khan's Tarkir, I'll talk about a little bit, because we actually tried there not to line them up. Uh, it, it proved to be actually really hard and not... It, it makes it hard for you to identify what the factions are when there's not a, a crisp, clear definition. Anyway, in order to do that, in order to do the parallel that I wanted, because um, one of the things that people argued is, well, maybe what you want to do is put all ten sets in the first set, then all ten in the second set, and all ten in the third set, but what they get, like, they get thing A and B in the first set, then thing C and D in the second set, and then thing E and F in the third set. Um, but the, the reason I was very hesitant for that, the reason that I, I did not like that plan, was I felt like, if I gave you a little bit of all ten guilds, then none of them would stand out. You know, let's say you were drafting. Like, none of them would have enough meat to them that you could get a full identity of who they were. But if I concentrated, if I said, you know what, I'm only going to do four guilds here. The other six guilds, they get their time later. By doing that, well, I gave them space so that I actually could give them the room to breathe and for people to see what they were. Um, and so anyway, that, that was the first black plan. That was Ravnica Black. Okay, next came Time Spiral. So Time Spiral started as a set that, or a block that was going to be theme-centered. We had a bunch of mechanics, uh, Suspend being the major one, but we had a bunch of mechanics that were time-related, and I said, okay, well, maybe we could do some sort of time-related block. Uh, so when I got to the block plan, I was like, okay, well, I want it to be time-related, but there has to be three components to it. Time, three components. And I mean, it just hit me. It's like past, present, future just made a lot of sense. Um, so if, if Return of Ravnica was the pie model, which was I give you a unified thing and chop into pieces, the next thing was this was a sequential model. It's like, okay, I'm going to take three things that you know in order you know. You know, when you think of time, time does get chopped up into three components, past, present, and future. So that said, okay, well, what we need to do is do this. I'll obviously go in the, in the order you would expect them, past, present, future. Um, and then the idea was to try to find a through line to connect them. Um, now, I knew that past, present, future was a nice connector, but it didn't... I still needed one more thing that bound them together. And what ended up happening was, while we were working on Time Spiral, it became clear that nostalgia played an important role. That especially when you're talking about the past, that nostalgia was... You know, a lot of what makes the past the past is remembrance of things. And we had a lot of fun of riffing off the past. Um, and I had come up with the Time Spiral sheet, the idea of, well, what if... The past was seeping into your pack. What if um, every pack gave you a, a card from the past in the past frame, and that it w- they weren't new cards, they were old cards? 
and that we ended up with this bonus sheet which had 121 cards. So like every pack had this bonus extra card in it. I mean, it wasn't you only got 15 cards, but it was in place of one of the commons you got this card. Um, but the thing it was missing was it needed a more of a connector. And so once I stumbled on the nostalgia, what I realized was what makes Okay, the nostalgia, obviously, the past is defined by nostalgia. So the interesting thing was, I was trying to figure out how do I make the present and the future work. Well, the present was really tricky, because isn't every set the present? How do I say, hey, I'm the present? Uh, and then I came up with the idea of an alternate reality present, where it's a present, but not as you know it, that it's been twisted in some way. And once I knew that, then I'm like, oh, well, nostalgia becomes important, because if I'm twisting things, then I have to twist known things. So the time-shifted sheet for the Planar Chaos was all cards that you knew but color shifted. In this alternate reality, we had changed the color pie, and so you know these were cards you knew but not in the color that you knew them. And then for the third set, which was Future Sight, the same thing, which is really what I, I mean, I, the, obviously the time shift sheet would be cards from the future, much like you know the first set, the time shift sheet were cards from the past, and the second were cards from an alternate present. Um, but I also, it was important to me that I used nostalgia. And the re- what that meant there is that a lot of what was fun for the future was to do extrapolated future off things that you knew from the past. Now, we did some new things. We had some new mechanics, obviously. But we also had a lot of, oh, here are more things that aren't creatures. Oh, I thought one day maybe they'd do that. You know, we took a lot of extrapolation, you know. We took cycling and turned it into wizard cycling. I mean, we just took different things that we knew. We took, you know, poison had existed, but we made, we made poisonous. You know, that we, took, we sort of ripped off known things and then made things that were future things. But part of what made the future work is that you get to see them. And I, I used to talk about to my team during Future Sight that when you see a time travel movie where a character goes to the future, one of the things they always show you are things you know from present day, but the futurized version of them. And the reason they do that is the future means more if you could see some recognizable things, but in a futuristic context. You know, whenever you sort of see a time travel movie, they always put a lens on it, which is, here's the past, things you know, but the past. You know, here's the present, and then here's the future, things you know, but in the future. Um, So Time Spiral, like I said, it it started as a time block and kind of morphed a little bit into a nostalgia block. Um, But it also had a nice cohesiveness, which is the past, the present, and the future all meant something. And they had a cohesive quality to them that... um, I mean, was was self-defined, that when, when you saw the past, you had expectations of what the past meant. Um, but anyway, so that was Time Spiral. Time Spiral very much was trying to do a, um, uh, have a sequential quality to it. Okay, so the next one after that was Lorwyn and Shadowmoor. Um, so from a block plan perspective, I thought of this as one block. Um, you, they are too many blocks. You could think of each of them as their own block. But the fact that they interconnect with each other makes me feel like, oh, well, really, this was one mega block in which it was made up of two mini blocks. Um, so the impetus for this set started from uh, Bill had wanted to do a fourth set. And uh, two years earlier, cause we, at the time, every other year was a core set. And then every other year, we wanted to do something else. And two years earlier, it had been Cold Snap. Uh, and so Bill came to me and said... Um, I'd like to do another fourth set. Do you have any ideas? I'm like, well, here's what I would like to do. Could we build it in so that the fourth set is not external to the block, but part of the block? Because with Cold Snap, uh, it, it had some problems. And I had said to him, next time we do this, could you let me incorporate it? So Bill's like, okay, you said you want to incorporate it. I'm telling you ahead of time, incorporate it. Um, and so I was trying to figure out how to have a fourth set. So one of the problems I've talked about many 
uh, is the third set problem that, that we had back when we had uh, blocks with three sets, that the third set was always problematic. So I knew doing the fourth set really was pushing it. If doing the third set is pushing it, doing the fourth set is really pushing it. And that's when I came up with the idea of mini blocks. Instead of doing, you know, you know flash to the future, uh, instead of doing one three-set block, we did two two-set blocks. Um, and... Um, but I knew that I wanted the sets to have a relevance to each other, meaning I wanted each one mechanically to be its own thing and drafted by itself, but there was an overlay where if you played them together, they connected. I knew they'd be played together in block constructed and obviously in standard. Um, and so the idea we came up with was, what if there was some world in which some major change happened to the world? So we saw the world before the change, we saw the world after the change, and that way we could mirror it. So this blocked plan... Is, is what we call a mirror, where we show you one thing, and then we go through a change, and we mirror that thing originally, but through the lens of the change. So the idea was, we're going to show you Lorwyn, then we're going to show you Shadowmore. And that Lorwyn did a lot of stuff to set up things that Shadowmore paid off on, and Lorwyn's like, these are the kind of creatures that are here. Um, and so one of the things we did was, most of the creatures stayed the same, but we changed them a little bit. We shifted some colors. We, we shifted sort of a look and feel of them. So the idea is, as, you know, Shadowmore, sorry, as uh, Lorwyn shifts into Shadowmore, you could see traces of Lorwyn, but then also Shadowmore had its own identity. Uh, and the idea for that block was I wanted to do mechanical things that could overlap with one another. So the idea was, we, we'd walked in with the idea that Lorwyn would be a, uh, a tribal block. That was the plan when we started. Well, tribal block is really nice, because the next block could give you things for your tribal deck without necessarily needing to have a tribal theme. Now, it's funny. Uh, one of the decisions I made was I made the conscious decision to shift to shift um, the uh, creature type some so that every co- creature stayed in, stayed in one color but shifted in its second color. Uh, in retrospect, maybe that was a mistake. I mean, I was trying to show the shift of the worlds, but I... The, the sets would have played nicer together if I hadn't shifted where the colors were. And so may, maybe that was a mistake. I, I'm not 100% sure. Um, probably what I should have done was not removed a color, but just added a color. And that Shadowmore had things that were in three colors. We, we kind of backed into that a little bit. The, the third color definitely showed up a little bit. I think, we showed, I think what we did is it shifted to two colors, but we made some hybrid cards of the, the, the remnants from Lorwyn. Um, probably we could have handled that. In retrospect, I could have handled that a little better. Um, and then the idea was we wanted something else that would matter in the third set, and that ended up being color. Because um, the, the second set, Shadowmore was up, ended up being a hybrid block, and, and hybrid very much is about color. And so the first set, hey, the cards all had color. The second set, hey, the cards all had creature types. We could line them up, and we can make them play across each other. Um, but the build for that black plan, I mean, the, the idea behind um, Lorwyn Shadowmore was that I wanted to build something up, get you used to it, and then make it go through a shift and make you realize, oh, I recognize the things, but they've gone through this change. Um, one of the big things, one of the tricky things about doing block plans is change is important. That um, Rav- Ravnica is kind of the exception to the rule where really nothing changed. It was just you seeing the whole block, and we were able to, di- to chop it up into pieces, so it took the whole block to see all the pieces. Um, Usually, during a block, there's some kind of change. We're trying to tell a story. Usually, something's happening on some global scale. So, normally, during a block, part of the block plan also is showing whatever the change is. Um, 
So with Lorwyn and Shannamore, obviously there was this giant shift to the world. That the world literally changed from what I'll say, the, you know, the day version to the night version. Um, and the creative team worked really hard, and we worked with them to make sure that we we one of the things in screenwriting that they uh, they explained to you is wherever you're going to end your story, you want to figure out how to get your your beginning of your story as far away from the end of the story as possible to give yourself a lot of room to get there. So, for example, if the end of the story, your character is very generous. Beginning of the story, they're probably not. You know, uh, Christmas Carol is a good example where, look at the end, Ebenezer Screws has to, you know, realize the error of his ways. Well, you better start him, you know, he better be really, really a penny pincher in the beginning to show the change in him. That if you want him to, to leave being miserly, he has to start really miserly, and obviously he does. Yeah, it's almost a joke how miserly he is when the story begins, but that's kind of how you need to play it. Um, so Shadowmore and Lorwyn was the same thing, which is in order for Lorwyn to be as dark as we wanted, we wanted Shadowmore. Sorry, we wanted, in order for Shadowmore to be as dark as we wanted, we needed Lorwyn as light as we wanted, and we went very light in tone. You know, not just in light, but in in it was it was very fairy taleish and thing. You know, the the things there wasn't a lot of harm. Like maybe someone throws a fish at you. You know, the, it wasn't. You know, the things that were mean were tricky, but not as vicious as they become when you get to Shadowmore. Um, and anyway, so that block was very much all about trying to create this parallel structure with his mirroring. Okay, the next block was Shards of Alara. So Shards of Alara is interesting. Um, so Bill Rose, who's the VP of R&D, um, was the lead designer for Shards. And Bill, Bill really had a vision for the block, and so... I, I let Bill run with this one. Um, so Bill really loved the idea of having a set that was all multicolor cards. Um, but Bill realized that you couldn't just start there, that uh, a large set was going to be too many, too many to, to function. And having a set in which there were no, like, have, starting with just multicolor, you'd be missing some key ingredients that you needed. But Bill said, okay, well, what if we built toward a set of all multicolor? And so Bill's master plan was to try to create a world in which you could then make, you know, you could then end up with a, uh, a set that was all gold. That was the plan. Um, and so what Bill did was um, he decided that um, because it was a multicolor set and we had done five color in Invasion and we'd done two color in uh, Ravnica, that he wanted to try three color. So the plan was that we'd start with three color then in the second set, we'd ramp up, go up to five color. And then the third set would give you all these gold cards and you had the opp- opportunity to draft smaller numbers of colors if you wanted to. You still could play five color, but he enabled you to probably be able to pull off playing two color. That you could play two, three, four, or five color. Um, and so that was a black plan that was very much... Um, it's kind of... A, it was building towards something, meaning he had a goal, he wanted that to happen, and so he maneuvered things around it so that the block plan led toward the goal that he wanted. You know, he wanted a finale all gold set. And so he said, well, what do I have to do to make that happen? Um, and one of the things I stress as I talk about the different block plans is each block plan dictates different things. You know what I'm saying? The Ravnica block plan was about separation of the guilds. And so it's very important to maximize showing off the guilds. Where Time Spiral was trying to show this evolution and that we were trying to take different themes and then put them through different filters. Where Lorwyn was all about this dichotomy between the two worlds. And Shards was building towards something. So each one of those designs... So I talk about this all the time, which is... One of the reasons I like to have radically different block plans is... 
that A, I just want things to be different, but B, it enables me as a designer or whoever else is designing to be able to approach it from a situation that's different than every other set. That's why I always like to start my set with some challenge that I've not done before. Because if I revisit a challenge I've done before, I just will tend to solve it in similar ways. Um, okay, so the next set is Zendikar. Okay, so Zendikar... Uh, so Zendikar is interesting. Um, Zendikar started with the following premise, which was... Bill... We, we have been concerned about third sets forever. Rightfully so. And so Bill was very concerned about how, how we would make it work. Um, so what Bill did was, he said, okay... What if this year we did a block in which it was two sets, then a block that was one set that was all by itself? So as you can see, by the way, it's funny. As I, as, as I walk through the block plans, you can see what we did with Shadowmore. You can see what we do with Zendikar. Um, the, the, the big change, that, you know, the two-block paradigm that, that uh, we're moving toward, it, it should be clear that, like, it didn't come out of nowhere. Almost if you watch what we've been messing around with and how we've been working with block plans... We've been trying to solve the third set problem by shifting how blocks function. Uh, and the model that we moved toward, like I said, we literally did it in Lorwyn. Um, I mean, they, the two blocks were connected more so than future blocks will be connected. Um, and even in something like Zendikar, the original the idea was that the third set was going to be its own world. You know, now, uh, so the block plan was originally, um, was we were going to do two different worlds with two different themes. And um, Bill, I think what happened was I had pitched an idea of a land block. Um, I thought there was a lot of ex- extra mechanics involving land that we could do. Well, that's actually a little unfair. I knew there was a deep design vein of place to explore, and I felt like that that's... If we're, I like the idea that sometimes our blocks are about top-down, sometimes our blocks are about exploring different things, sometimes they're exploring themes... Um, this was during the period where we were more into doing themes. Um, but I liked the idea. Here was an untapped theme that we hadn't done that I thought had a lot of potential. And so I had convinced, uh, at the time, um, Randy Bueller was my boss, that we should experiment, that we needed to have exploratory blocks. Here's a block doing something we'd never done before, but we needed blocks like that. Um, and Bill was a little skeptical on my land matters. So what happened originally was, um, what we did was, he said, okay, you can have two sets, and then we'll do something different with the third set. Um, what ended up happening was the creative team came up with a, built a world and then trapped the Eldrazi inside of it. And they're like, oh, we came up with this pretty awesome world where these alien creatures are trapped inside the world. You know what might be cool? What if they got out? And then they said, you know what? We think we could build a third set that would feel different and would have different mechanics. It would be a creative that justifies different mechanics, but would have a different feel to it. Um, and so Rise of Eldrazi ended up staying in Zendikar. But we're like, oh, well, the, the rise of the Odrazi is a different enough thing that we could, we could with a straight face, change the mechanics. Um, and so what happened was, in that set, the, the block really much was us building up the world kind of going crazy, and then a payoff with the rise of Odrazi, but in which it shifts gears completely. You know, what goes on in rise of Odrazi is like, forget everything. You know, the first two sets is the people surviving their world, and the second set is, our world, that's not the problem, survive that. Um, and so... The, the, the block plan, um, it's interesting because if you look at how the block plan actually worked, for all intents and purposes, mechanically, we really did separate the third set from the first two. Um, and in retrospect, I think the problem was that we, we sort of connected them as a block but didn't, and I think that was a problem. Like, I, I regret, for example, not having 
we should have had some allies. I mean, maybe not with the ally mechanic, but just just creature type ally. Just having more allies. You know, here's all these people fighting the Eldrazi. Maybe they're allies with each other. You know, um, and so one of the flaws there was we did I did not connect the block as, as more as much as I should. Um, and the lesson there was it has to do with how people perceive what you're doing. Um, if you stay in the same place. That gets perceived as there's a connectivity to it. You you you're in the same place with the same people and the same things. There needs to be more continuity. Um, and one of the reasons we moved to the two block paradigm is the idea that if we want the third and fourth set to feel different, well, don't stick around. Go somewhere else. You know, really, if you want it to feel like two different blocks, well, then act like they're different blocks. And for us, blocks have always been defined by, or mostly been defined by locale. Not always, I guess. Um, and so. The, the idea now is we go someplace, we go there for two times, and then, okay, for the next, the next second half of the year, we go to two other sets in some other, other place. And that really is a way to feel like we're doing two unique different blocks. Okay, so it's funny, as we're driving, um, I'm realizing that I have enough content for two uh, podcasts and not just one. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to continue talking about the, the first five um, and wrap it up. And then uh, next time, I will talk about the second five and talk about sort of where the block planet came from then. The, so one of the things that's very interesting, and I go back and look at this, the, the historian in me can't not sort of look at the history. If you notice, what's going on here is, um, uh, and, and in some ways it's a, neat, it's, a, it's a neat divider because the first um, five sets were very theme-based. You know, Ravnica started by going, we're doing multicolor. Um, time Spiral was, we're doing, uh, you know, time-theme-based mechanics. Lorwyn started as tribal. Uh, Shards of Alara started as multicolored. Zendikar started as a land block, you know. But each of these sets were very much about trying to play up a theme. And that there definitely were elements built in, and I'm not saying there wasn't story built in, but not in the same way. When we get, next time when we see the second five blocks, that's when we're, we're doing a lot more to build stuff in. And... Um, this is actually a big shift. When I talk about um, in, uh, the different stages of design, um, Scars and Mirrodin is where I start the fifth age of design. And so, Ravnica, Time Spiral, Lorwyn, Shards, and Zendikar are the fourth age of design. So it's interesting, as I, as I am talking about this, that my, my tenure as head designer over three set blocks over ten years, that actually half of them were the first age and half of them were the second age. And I think, hopefully, that stems from the fact that I learned from doing the first five of how better to do the second five. Um, and that, one of the things that's interesting is, I mean, I think each one of these blocks taught us something very important. Um, so let me talk about the lessons of the block as I, as I finish up here and go to work. The lesson of Ravnica was that you don't need to give everybody everything. That it's, it's, it's okay to leave the audience wanting more. Um, it was a very big risk at the time, but it paid off, it paid off huge. Uh, and Ravnica is probably our, our I mean, the, 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 the setting is our, our most popular setting, and people just love the Ravnica blocks. And I, I think part of it is really the idea of we have identity, we have things mean something, they're, they're relevant to our players, and then we take the space and time to give each the due it needs, and that we don't need to give you everything at once. The lesson of Time Spiral was, I think that the importance, uh, well... Who knows? One of the big lessons is be careful with your themes that I think while we, we found a way to tie them all together and thematically it fits, we went so broad with our theme. And I mean, I like the fact that each set had its own identity. That is cool. Um, 
but we really, really stretched what was going on. And I mean, I, I guess in some level the block plan wasn't wasn't at fault as much as we were not keeping complexity in check. Um, but I will say this: that I made a block structure that was so so forgiving and so flexible that it allowed us to overstuff it, and it, in some level, it kind of hid how stuffed it was because everything had such a strong theme to it that when you sort of stood back and looked at it, everything looked okay, and it wasn't until you dug in deep that you realized, holy moly, we just crammed this too full. Um, now, I understand if, if you were a diehard experienced player that got it all, it was, uh, it was amazing because normally we never make sets as dense as we made this block, um, but for the average player, it was a little too dense. Laurel and Shadowmoor, uh, I mean, obviously, the, the, the big lesson of Laurel and Shadowmoor is that we were not tied to large, small, small, uh, that we could bl- break out of the, that con- confine. And really, if you look at Lorwyn, like we talked about the two-set paradigm, Lorwyn just did it. That Where we're going, I mean, now I understand, I, I designed it as a mega block, meaning the two mini blocks were connected, you know, where in the, moving forward, that's not quite the case, that each, each block will be its own block, much like now blocks are their own blocks. Um, but it did set that set up. It did change. It did challenge the idea of what could be where, and that the idea that a large block could be in, in the spring, you know, or that that you could do a block that's just two blocks, or that you could, you know, put two blocks in a year. There's a lot of things that we would later, I mean, obviously come back to that. Really, th- this was the the block plan that sort of opened up that idea. Shards of Alara was just us exploring with the idea that if you're going to lead towards something, that you need the payoff to get there. Um, and the idea that, you know, if you want to do something cool, you have to do the setup to get there. You know, and that a lot of times we sort of would back into things and then not quite have all our ducks in a row. And that really the lesson of Shards of Alara is you need to prepare. That if you want to do cool things, if you're going to create payoff, you need to lay the foundation for payoff. That, you know, if you look at a story, like a movie or something, that when, when someone does the, the, the jaw-dropping moment, it's important that you look back and everything in the movie supported that moment. That it wasn't like, huh? It's like, oh, how did I not see that? Zendikar, the lesson of Zendikar was, um, in some ways I think the lesson of Zendikar block was you need to be cohesive in your blocks and that... Um, even if you're going to do crazy things and change things that, that, you know, if something is set in the same world, the expectation is that there is some cohesiveness between it. And that as much as Rise of the Drazi was trying to be its own thing, uh, the lack of cohesion with the rest of Zendikar felt wrong uh, and I, I believe it was a mistake. And so the, the big lesson there is when you're doing a block plan, there's a certain amount of distance you can get within the block plan, but you still need to have, you know... If the audience perceives it as a, a, a single block, that you need to make sure that there's some connectors, even if you're going to make some space with the mechanics. And I, I, I don't think that's necessarily wrong. Um, I, I just look back at like Rise of the Drazi and I'm like, oh, there's more continuity we could have created, but lack of continuity was a problem. Okay. So, uh, as I explained, um, that was the first five blocks of my of the block plans of my time as head developer. Well, not my time. Time's not up. But of the uh, 10 three-block... Uh, uh, the 10 three-set blocks that I did. So next time, next time on Drive to Work, um, I will talk about the second five ones. And uh, these are the five that introduced the fifth age of design. And I'll talk a bit about that. But I've just parked my car. So that means it's time for me to be making magic. So thanks for joining me, guys. Talk to you next time.